How's it going guys? Scott from the Outlaws of Horror and today we're going to bring you a new podcast on sequels, reboots and remakes. Hi everybody, I'm Paul, I'm an outlaw. Hi guys, I'm Steve, I'm a fan of an outlaw. Hi guys, Colin here, uh, outlaw number three on this podcast. On uh, Star right. of Willow, the movie. <laughs> <laughs> R2-D2 stunt double. Indeed. <laughs> so what we're going to do is we're going to talk to you today about sequels, reboots and uh, remakes. Paul, I believe you've got something to say about Halloween. I don't have something to say. I have a small novella of a rant that I would like to say. I do like a scary movie now and again, as you do. But who in God's name came up with 13 Halloween movies? It's been bloody... Thir- well, OK, two of them ain't out yet. But when you actually look at the canon, it's 13 in a bloody thing. So 1978, I was born then, Halloween came out. Okay, John Carpenter, masterpiece, brilliant, no problem. Jamie Lee, future of many, many teenage years for me. Halloween 2, fair enough, kind of, yeah. Halloween 3, what the hell was going on there? And then, and that was in 82. So, you know, they they spanked the franchise, 81, 82. Then in 88, somebody decided to spank it a bit more with the return of Michael Myers. And then in 1989, somebody said, let's spank it a little bit more with the revenge (laughs) of Michael Myers. And that was it. They killed it off completely. And then some guy, Joe Chappelle, 1995, then decides to go Halloween, the curse of Michael Myers. And then Steve Miner, Halloween H2O, 20 years later. Then Halloween Resurrection in 2002. And then in 2007 rob zombie does halloween and halloween 2 two years after each other so 2007 2009 and then again in 2018 literally nearly 10 years later you've got halloween halloween kills which is out this year and then halloween ends this (laughs) franchise has been spanked and spanked and rebooted and i'll tell you now i have fucking lost plot on the story do you know what if someone says to me halloween oh yeah it's a bloke in a face mask it's actually william shatner on a really bad day killing people wants to kill his sister (laughs) bit weird it's just ruined it i mean christ almighty even with the chucky franchise or they didn't change freddy or they didn't say one minute you know he's a child killer to he's a flower arranger they didn't they didn't (laughs) reboot it or rechange the storyline they kept consistency with the character you cannot find the character of michael myers scary anymore because he just just isn't because they've rebooted him so many bloody times and nobody gets all the consistency the storyline because they'll go in and watch we're gonna watch halloween do you remember the last one the rob zombie caught this is good oh no hang on no they've forgotten all that hang on this is a reboot Oh, I don't know. Some people just go, did she die in the last one? They brought her back to life. Someone a witch doctor? I don't know. Stop fucking rebooting these bloody films. Or if you're going to do it, keep your convictions and go long term. It's like even in like the non-horror films, like the, the Batman story, the DC Universe. Jesus Christ. Come up with an idea and one can commit to it. Don't back off and change things and rewrite your own history. Uh, sorry, I'm going to end that rant now. But yeah, Halloween. Boy, <laughs> God, Steve, what have you got? <laughs> you know what? I can't top that. <laughs> That's going to be all I apologise. That's going to be all in one block. One of my favourite sequels is this image behind me, Return of the Living Dead Part 2, because it's absolutely ridiculous. It's absolutely <laughs> hilarious. Well, and in fact, true story, for the first one I watched was actually Part 2, and Scott actually got me to watch Part 2 first. He said, look, if you watch in the conventional order... You won't like the second one, so I'm gonna you're gonna watch it first and then watch the original. And you know what? I'm glad you did that because I probably wouldn't have liked the second one if I'd have watched it second. The third one, I've got the third one. It's decent. It's okay. It's not got the humor that the second one has or the first one has, but it's a decent story in itself. But it went into a different direction. Four and five. Four and five. If you're a diehard, watch it. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, face palm, face palm worthy. <laughs> face palm worthy. But they have little moments, little kind of trinkets. But that's all they are, little trinkets. If you're not following any of the story linearly, it won't make any sense. I think the one that I like uh, about the second one the most is the fact that it was supposed to have been a serious film, but then it just was naturally going into a, a shitty comedy, and they just rolled with it, and I quite like the fact that it just went from, well, shit to shit to shit, but it was fucking <laughs> hilarious throughout. So, yeah, it was it was a great film, the Soka. That's, in a lot of ways, I kind of prefer it, but... Do you mind if I just jump in here on... The Conjuring Universe is an example of a franchise that they've started, and they have spanked it they have absolutely spanked yeah. so the con uh, i've obviously watched the country but now in the country universe you had the country in 2013 you then had the country sequel three years later you've now got the country the third one coming out this year called the devil made me do it then you had the annabelle one about the doll right <laughs> then annabelle creation then annabelle comes home that sounds like a my little pony freaking movie yeah but it's not and it, i do want to show i don't really watch annabelle films i don't want to watch a film about another fucking doll unless it's called chucky and then you've got the nun <laughs> series which i didn't even realize it was part of the country series this is the cleverness of them and that nun movie will mess you up that's a really good dark really scary movie and now they're making a, a, a sequel to that so you've at least 10 films in less than 10 years in the yeah. country universe they are mm. spanking it man they are proper spanking uh, it and they're doing like the crooked man one as well or is that the, is that a different universe yeah the crooked man yes is is one of the other films that is not out yet and there's also one called the curse of la Llorona. yes and there was also short films the nurse the confession what's wrong with mom blunds lullaby and innocent souls as well that were so they stay james one who cannot do any wrong because obviously he's an X-Files man. But he was one of the writers in the X-Files. He has absolutely explored his dark depths. And I think that universe is brilliant. And I'll be honest with you, I've watched all of it with the exception of Annabelle because I just can't draw myself to watch a film about a freaking doll. Yeah, Annabelle to me is the same. It's not one that I quite... Um... I mean, Colin, you can get away with it. You've got kids, so you can just... So, you know, don't worry, everything will be okay to cover kids' eyes. Go on, Colin, what have you got? Suppose for me, the first franchise that was had so much potential and went horribly wrong was the Hellraiser franchise and I came into that with the third one and I know a lot of diehard fans won't acknowledge the third one and obviously it's not as good as the first two but I think because it introduced me to the franchise I've got a special place for that then of course the first and the second one to me are on a par really does a whole franchise generate a sequel that is as good if not better than the first one but Hellraiser comes very close if not even achieves that and then it all goes downhill after that and it's just spank spank and spank some more and uh, yeah I just don't even acknowledge are you telling me you haven't watched all 10 Hellraiser movies? (laughs) (laughs) Hellraiser, Hellraiser 2, Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth, Hellraiser 4, Bloodline, Hellraiser 5, Inferno, Hellraiser Hellseeker. They were really running out of names here. Hellraiser Deader, Hellraiser Hell World, Hellraiser Revelations. That was when someone didn't care. And then Hellraiser Judgment. (laughs) So I watched Judgment because at the time I was able to watch it through nefarious ways and there were some very good boobies in uh, judgment for no other reason one, i would one, say judgment right, i'll just make a note of that one. <laughs> go. of course the controversy around judgment is there's no doug bradley you have to get over there being no doug bradley what? Uh, so Pinhead isn't in it then? Yeah, but it's someone else plays it. Fuck off. Uh, and that was a lot of controversy around the film. Can't remember the guy's oh, name. Hellraiser film, anyway, yeah. So 
Yeah, Hellraiser for me just absolutely winced to the nth degree. And it's a real shame because Clive Barker is still writing amazing material. I mean, his latest book, The Scarlet Gospels, excellent. Doesn't end great, but starts amazing. Great story. Could be a film, quite good. That would work. But yeah, Hellraiser for me, during my kids, during my childhood, spanked beyond any vestige of goodness. Following on from that for me is then the Saw franchise, which is a bit different in that I think beyond the third one and, you know, looking like what we're going to get in the future is maintaining decent quality. Looking at the trailers for Spiral, I think we're going to get a good film there. It's looking like it's going to work. And I've always liked them. I think they're pretty good. So that's my uh, initial thoughts on franchises that get spanked. That's a bloody good call, actually, because Hellraiser 1 and 2 are, are were, for me, one of the very first films outside of the usuals, Fridays and Nightmares, that I genuinely thought set a whole new level of gore and sickness. Yeah. Um, that guy walking around the house in the first one, regenerating his body using... Yeah, yeah that was... It was proper. It was proper gory. The soundtrack was proper <laughs> weird. But um, I actually wouldn't mind seeing that series rebooted with a big Hollywood budget because yeah. it'd be really interesting to see if uh, the improved everything would actually help it because some of these early films, a bit of a wooden acting maybe sometimes, yeah. but it'd be good to see it on a big budget Hollywood. But I think nobody would watch it because people would be too, too, too damn scared of it because if you pumped 50 million to a remake of that and said, make it gory, make it scary, yeah, yeah it'd definitely be a poster uh, saying... Hellraiser, this film will fuck you up. Yeah. When I was in Germany, when I was with the military, I was in, living in Germany for a little bit, we went to this bar, and it was called Hellraiser. The bar was actually called Hellraiser. When you went in, I think it was all like S&M stuff, because everyone was wearing leather, there was fucking big chains with hooks coming from the ceiling. They had actual people who were employees to have their hands through walls in the face, and they just sort of like, they'd move, it was really weird, and it was like, I'm sure it was a hotel or... I think you could make some, pay some money and you'd go upstairs into some rooms. It was all crazy, but the drinks were good. It was great. There was a very nice flow to it. It was on three levels. Long time, like 20 years since I was there, but it was a great bar. I wouldn't recommend it for well, just anyone because let's put it I was overdressed just wearing a shirt and a pair of pants. And what, was, what was the name of the bar? Just for Colin's sake, so Colin can write down. That's fetish. But yeah, I, don't, I can't remember. It was it was a bar based on the Hellraiser film, so it was pretty cool. Obviously, I quite enjoyed it. The film that I'm gonna go down with the sequel, the one that I'm gonna put one that I like, because start with the one that I like, and that's Insidious Chapter Two. Only because you can't watch the first one without the second one immediately afterwards, otherwise it's just you watched half a story. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I love how again we've we've said this before in the other podcasts that me and Steve went to watch them at the cinema at the same time and I'd watched the first one previous and I just felt like there were so many parts that was unanswered, like questions that were just completely unanswered. But then in the second one, when it comes up, where actually it turns out that he's the one who's actually banged the door open, that's the reason why he alarms off, and the fact that he's trying to play his wife's song on the uh, piano is very, very interesting and a very, very cool twist to kind yeah. of... You've never, you've never seen a storyline like that where you go into a sequel and think, how is this going to scare you more? And it flips everything mm. you saw on the first one upside down in a way where you're just sitting again. Oh, man, that's good. Yeah. Oh, my God. You're totally emotionally drawn yeah. into the Insidious. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, bang on. Insidious sequel. Yeah, definitely a, a top 10 for just clever sequels, without oh. a doubt. Absolutely. They actually thought ahead to right. We're definitely doing a pair of films here. And it made the first one with the second one in mind, and it's so rare that they do that. Everyone, yeah. Generally speaking, it's one film and done. Oh, we did really well. Okay, let's do another one. Yeah. In this case, yeah. they've gone, right, this is the plan, A and B. And then, obviously, what have they done after that? 
there's yeah. probably been a oh it's done really well let's do more you've got your third one you've got your fourth one I mean the fourth one for me I think is better than the third one by a lot of ways because I think the third one kind of strayed away a little bit and tried to start its own story again but keeping kind of like the third one the fourth one but without Patrick Wilson and uh, Rose Byrne because them two were in the third one it kind of for me it took a, a lot of the wind out of the sails and I felt like it was trying to restart its new sort of like story and then obviously the fourth one was completely different with that and then that bit at the end with Dalton falling off that kind of brought it all together again so. yeah it did well the fourth the fourth mm. one I watched the, only, the fourth one only a, well, a while back and the fourth one for me was the prequel to part yeah. one yeah it explained yeah. The lady, the little old lady who could speak to the dead and communicate, it was her backstory, her family, her brother, and, and how she met the two guys and then working together. And it brilliantly ends and tapers straight into part one. For me personally, part one freaked me out more because of the music and the sound scoring really yeah. made me go. Ugh. But Absolutely. the second one was far leaps and bounds ahead. In fact, I think I came out of the cinema thinking if they would have used the same score and music in the second one, it would have had even more of a dramatic impact. Yeah. Or making it a far superior sequel, but I agree it's a superior sequel. Let's be fair. I mean, all four of them films would have been nothing without Lynn Shea. She makes yeah. them films what yeah. they are. I yeah, mean, absolutely. I, I love that. I love that lady. I do have a slight problem with Lynn Shea, though. She's excellent in them films, but I struggle to watch her on the screen and not think of her as the landlady from Kingpin. Just gets me. Just, just always gets me. I just can't get past that. I just can't, can't get past it. I've got to try. I've got to make an effort, but I just can't get past it. I watched, oh. I watched that the other day with her going, blah, 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 and all, and I just couldn't. Yeah. Oh, oh, Jem's mum from Detroit Rock City. Have you seen it? Oh, Jem's mum. Yeah. yeah, amazing. Love That's it. a great film, that. Well, you know, she's in um, the original Nightmare on Elm Street as well, isn't she? Yeah, she's the teacher. Yeah. Teacher. Teacher, yeah. When Nancy's having a dream when Tina in the body bag sort of like appears in the doorway when another the, 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 like, centipede comes out of her mouth or whatever it is. Yeah, Lynn Shea's the teacher. I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, so yeah, Nancy burns herself to wake herself back up and yeah, yeah then Shay's the teacher that's in the room with her. The remake that I'm going to say that I absolutely love has got to be Night of Living Dead 1990. Tom yeah. Savini's work. Absolutely love that. Um, a lot of people agree with me on this, but a lot of people disagree. I personally think it's better than the 1968 one. And the only reason why I say that is because I enjoy watching it more. I mean, I love the 1968 one. And I watch it again, like I said, on like every couple of week basis. But the Night of the Dead 90 one, I can watch that every day. I love it. I think Tom Savini, I think Tony Todd, Patricia Tolman, Tom Towles, you know, even Ross Strider's in it. I think they all did a great job bringing that film to life, considering that it's about zombies. But the way it starts, nice, bright, sunny day. And everything's great, and then boom, fucking zombies, and this is like, oh shit, what the fuck's going on? I mean, it's it's a complete clusterfuck of emotions. So yeah, I love how that film played out. You're right. I think it's the perfect example of taking an original film and going right, okay, this is what they did before. Now let's augment it a little bit, keep the essence the same, but augment it, and it's the perfect representation of that. I think. Does anybody want to hear a very very quick Patricia Talman weekend of the dead story? Yeah, please, absolutely, far away. Because of course she was a guest at the 2018 show, yeah. uh, and I had the uh, I suppose fairly enviable task of getting all the guests together in the hotel lobby, getting them off to the venue. So I'll keep it very very edited highlights. Uh, Saturday morning, of course, trying to get all the guests in the same place at the same time. It was like herding cats, and we ended up having to wait ages to get everyone in to the minibus. 
Sunday morning, Patricia comes out from breakfast, gives me that stare that can only come from Patricia Talman and says, I'm not going to wait in that fucking minibus again for half an hour. You better sort it out. I'm like, whoa, it's been hell. Anyway, Monday morning, we're all getting ready to get them off to their airports and get them off on their respective like, flights. And we were talking about apparitions and ghosts and paranormal activity. And Patricia's big into all that. She's big into like, the afterlife and the spirit world and all that sort of stuff. And she was uh, telling a story how about she was convinced she was lying in bed one night and the ghost spirit whatever, came uh, into the bed and spooned her and decided to demonstrate what this was like by spooning me in the hotel lobby to which I just thought holy fuck do not get a hard on here Patricia <laughs> Talman's arse is right up against your knob just <laughs> calm oh, yourself yeah. down yes very interesting but there you go that's my little Patricia Talman story that's the letter I would have got that one me I want to give I'm it. sure we can talk about we could probably do a podcast on Colin's <laughs> mighty erections and I don't mean the civil engineering side of his life either <laughs> I don't know if anybody wants to hear about those the one that I am going to say that I didn't like of uh, a remake is the nine, uh, 2008 Day of the Dead film you know where the zombies are practically running up walls and oh, is that oh. the one with the girl from American Pie yeah Nick Cannon and Ving Rhames yeah that's the one yeah it was uh, a really really bad film but again the trouble is Ving Rhames generally I like everything he's into an interview but he was yeah he was very good as the boxing promoter in one of his films I've, I've always liked him to be honest with you but yeah that was pants I remember everybody saying to me oh you've got to watch the originals and all the remakes and I remember sitting watching this guy and that's the girl from American Pie when's this film going to get started yeah. oh hang on a minute look the zombies are now running at what the hell are the zombies doing? yeah I didn't like it I think I switched it off halfway through and went I'm not going to give this any more of my time it was a really 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 bad film it's not one that I was I mean I've got it on Blu-ray I have to because obviously for the collection side of it but I only watch it when I really, really, I've got nothing else to watch. <laughs> do we enjoy it? No, no, not at all. <laughs> Why do I watch it? Because I like a game called Left 4 Dead. And if Left 4 Dead was going to be made into a film, this would be it. That's the only thing that I've got really to say about that film because it's fucking dire. So on my next one, I'm going to go with 2004's Dawn of the Dead, Zack Snyder's. The first five minutes of this film, shit. The following 20 minutes is absolutely phenomenal and then it's crap for another hour. <laughs> <laughs> zombies don't run. I'm sorry, but George Romero said zombies don't run and I'm going to sort of like side with George, if I'm honest. Zombies don't run. Have you seen World War Z? They're faster than fucking Usain Bolt. Oh, <laughs> oh, Some of these zombie films where they're running, I'm thinking, well, is this possible? How is your brain able to communicate all these complex muscle groups to run fast they could when they're alive? Yeah, that is totally <laughs> unbelievable. As far as I'm concerned, if George Romero says zombies don't run and someone else wants to say well zombies can be gold medal Olympic runners then that's up to them there was a film out a couple of years ago where it was about a girl who falls in love with a zombie a boy who's one a zombie bodies, one body oh, yeah, we yeah that was yeah, a good one yeah, me, yeah me and Steve walked out the cinema on that one I let that one pass me by yeah interesting to say the least strange another really really bad is it a sequel? We don't know. Well, I think only John Russo can say if it was a sequel or not. But that's uh, 2001's Children of the Living Dead starring <laughs> Mighty Shiv. <laughs> it's got some... Oh. It's got some certainly got some questionable acting from Tom Savini because <laughs> he's talking without his mouth moving. <laughs> he's shooting zombies with a shitty gun from fucking miles away smashing the fucking head. 
mean i'm i've lost track of all these of the dead movies because there's one on i think it's on amazon it's high school of the dead it's like somebody has just gone mad spanking everything that of the dead is mind-blowing it's there are so many of the dead movies now if there was ever going to be a consistent i mean it almost it's least consistent than bloody the walking dead and at least the walking dead is 10 seasons of an incredibly slow storyline the thing is i say children of the living dead is kind of like this generation's um Oh shit! What's the fucking band called now? They all died in a fucking airplane. Um, Skinner, yeah. This is that. This is the modern day Skinner because obviously Leonard Skinner, all half of them died in the plane crash, and all that. Some of them died since then, so they all got like the sons, didn't they, and the family members to sort of like redo the band. Yeah, this is what um, the Children of the Living Dead is because it's got uh, Heidi Hinsman in it, which is Bill Hinsman's fucking daughter. It's got Sam Nicotero in it. <laughs> it's got it's got all the people who weren't quite ready for george (laughs) so so we're gonna move them on we're gonna move these people here none of them have had any acting lessons but it's okay it's name recognition (laughs) yeah that's it but is it a film to watch Yes, it's certainly a film to watch. <laughs> so you can say, just you can say to Marty. I thought you were going to say, is it a film? Yes, it's a film. <laughs> it's a film. Only just. But yeah, it's just it's like I said to Marty when we uh, saw him uh, last last year in um, Pittsburgh. I said, I said, Marty, I said, what the fuck was John Living Dead about? He went, don't talk to me about that film. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's funny when the actual actors are like, oh shit. <laughs> so can I so I ask a silly question? So just. There's you've got Night of the Living Dead 1968, you then got Dawn of the Dead 78, you got Day of the Dead 1985, which I think is now my personal favourite, Land of the Dead 2005, Diary yeah. of the Dead 2007, uh-huh. Survival of the Dead 2009, yeah. and then also if you according to the wonderful world of the internet, which always tells the truth, Road of the Dead and Rise of the Living Dead, which are to be announced. Road of the Dead has been in pre-production for a long time, so that's something I don't know if that's ever ever going to happen. Just while we think about it. Survival of the Dead is basically an episode of Bonanza with zombies. I don't like that film at all. I don't know where High School of the Dead fits in in all this canon, but I'm sure it doesn't. I'm sure someone's (laughs) just jumped on and said, why don't we put zombies in a high school and call it Of the Dead? (laughs) If you want to talk perhaps canon, I suppose, I mean, officially it does go all the way to survival, but I wouldn't go beyond Diary. I I don't mind Diary. I quite think it's... I haven't watched uh, Diary or Survival, to be honest with you, because, yeah, I just got confused with them all on Amazon and Netflix, there doesn't seem to be a consistency across stories or characters or much, to be perfectly frank. Yeah, Diary of the Dead's a good... Uh, what I say is good. It's, it's a good one to watch because, mm. uh, me personally, I think it's got some of the best zombie kills in it. Yeah, there's a part where this zombie's wandering about and even not bothered about spoilers, and this guy puts a bottle of acid on his head and his head just starts melting away. Yeah. And when you see his brain sort of, like, dissolve, he just then he dies. I thought that was interesting. And obviously the guy, the Amish guy with the um, scythe thing where he puts it through his head and gets a zombie <laughs> behind him. I mean... Yeah, I you know, it's, oh, that's a good one, actually. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a bad, uh, you know, it's not a bad film is it the best no is it better than no. survival go no 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 don't talk about survival but the one thing about survival that i'm going to say it did have a very good concept in terms of it had sort of like a family over here who thinks that the zombies should be killed and as a family over here who thinks the zombies should be preserved because it could be a cure i understand that because i can see if there was like a, a zombie apocalypse that kicked off i can see a small island like the isle of man where mm-hmm. half of them would be divided saying no we're going to survive them we're going to keep them we're going to see if a cure comes and then the other half saying no we're going to kill them because they stink <laughs> sorry spoiler alert i just can't get past the zombie riding a horse could just can't really <laughs> yeah, no, can't really get past that 
<laughs> I am the same you because when I when I went to watch when I first watched it on um, on on DVD when it came out when I saw that sort of that horse ride past and I saw her and she was a zombie I just thought I nah, can fuck off now this is like Return of the Living Dead two where they're driving the bleeding truck. <laughs> That's brilliant though. That's fucking hilarious. <laughs> oh dear lord. I would personally, I would love, I would love there to be a zombie universe. I know there's a World War Z two that's in post production, has been now for nearly a year that Brad Pitt's made. I would love there to be a full narrated, storylined zombie universe where they can integrate the greatness of the original Night, Dawn, and Day and build something that's maybe like a nine film arc. The trouble is, is most people, if you said that to, they'd just go, "Well, that's the Walking Dead series one to ten. And it's a real shame because I think they could do something original because World. Z is just this mental, insane, stupid athon. It's like somebody said, I'm going to have more zombies in this film than any other zombie film ever, like combined, and yeah. it just ruins it. I think people are pulling out their tape measures on this one, to be fair, and it's all like measuring sizes, you know. I've got more <laughs> zombies than you. Oh, have you now? <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> yeah. 11 inches all around me. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, it's just what it, it, I do believe that. It's like with um, the George Mouthy that you were saying, with it should back be like a movie. Arc. Now, a lot of people say that they can sort of like arc Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, and Land because of the uh, Dawn connection with Land with Tom Savini's machete zombie. Me personally, I think they're individual films. Mm. Personally, that's that, because I, I, I've seen a million times and I've never seen a connection. So, oh, there is one small connection Diary and Survival do have a connection. Yeah, with that one guy. That one guy. Yeah, no, but that's what I'm saying. I mean, out of the whole films, you can't connect all of them together. No, no, as a lineal, no. No, you've got night and dawn are clearly at the beginning. Day is quite well advanced into the apocalypse. So, yeah, the time doesn't quite work out unless you disregard night and say day is a few months or a few years after dawn. But that's getting tenuous. That's, that's the trouble, and this is the problem, is these, these films were made before the concept, the, the budgetary concept of these universes. I mean, um, it was Universal have tried to um, do a Monsters universe yeah. and they did the Mummy reboot with Tom Cruise, which I actually really loved. To be honest with you, I really did. And it had Russell Crowe, who can do no wrong. And there was loads of potential there for loads and loads of classic monster stories to be told but it bombed i think because at just the time people didn't like tom cruise it was too much of him there but i thought it was a it was a standout good damn film just, nowhere near brendan Fraser's, obviously but um just to jump in i would have loved to have seen more of russell crowe's dr jekyll i think that would have been a good that man could good, do no wrong a good little franchise there it's a shame because I, I wasn't a big fan of it but i could see why went a bit wrong but i liked russell crowe in that i thought he was well oh, just, just talking a horror sequels there's perfect one the mummy with brendan fraser excellent yeah, really good standalone film. Mummy 2, massively up the game. I know it weren't the purest horror, yeah. but it really did up itself. And I didn't think that was possible then. And then it shit the bed on the third one with the one we don't talk about. This advert was brought to you by the Outlaws of Horror in the spirit of the mullet. For all you creepy cats who want connectivity on all platforms, seek out the Outlaws of Horror on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Outlaws of Horror. If Twitter is your platform, search for at Horror Outlaws. And if Instagram is your number one, discover the Outlaws of Horror. Finally, if you have enjoyed this audio presentation and want to see these freaky fiends in the flesh, the video is available on YouTube. Search for Outlaws of Horror with the name of this episode to get the full Outlaw experience. And don't forget to like, share and subscribe to get notified on the latest videos and podcasts. P.S. 
No actors' careers were harmed in the production of this advert, and everything was on budget. And now, back to the podcast. A lot of people, I mean, I've had the arguments. I mean, Steve's even been with me when I've been talking about this with people. It. Let's talk with Stephen King's It. Oh, yeah. Right, the 1990. We're not going to talk about that one just yet, but I'm going to go with the 2017 film. Is that a remake or a reboot, or is that just a whole new film in general? That is my question to this I'm going to go with, because I think it is very close to the source material, in some ways the 1990 version isn't. I'm going to go with it's, it's, it's standalone, we're starting again. I don't know which word encompasses that, reboot or remake. Or, it's, a reboot. I think it's, it's a reboot, yeah, isn't it? Because it goes yeah. right back to the source material. And it's on a par with the original. Maybe slightly better in some ways. See, with me, I've had the arguments where people go, oh, who do you think's the best uh, Pennywise? Do you think it's Tim Curry or do you think it's Bill Skarsgård? And I'm like, what, film it? Yeah, well, it's Bill Skarsgård then. So, oh, no, it's got to be Tim Curry. You've got to love the... No, 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 that, that was a made-for-TV movie back in the 90s. That's not a film. So that's a TV programme that was done over two Sorry, events. Yeah. That's yeah. not a film. This is a film. Bill Skarsgård is the... Or he can't be compared with anyone because he's the only character to play Pennywise on film. And they're like, no, nah, you're full of shit. No, I'm really not. <laughs> That's the thing, I'm not. That's the thing. This was made for TV. The trouble is, is on Laserdisc and DVD, it was released as a home movie experience with both episodes stitched back together. That, that was one of the problems because for me, it's that... Do you know what? I definitely agree. I think it's a reboot, but I think Bill Skarsgård brings a whole range and depth of purist acting and psychotic... I think he gets the original material and the viciousness... And he's the way he portrays him is just eerie. I think Tim Curry did. I think he's even done interviews in there. I think there's a documentary coming out on DVD soon about the making of the original It movie. Oh, I think right. some fans mm. have made it. Um, I think they crowdfunded it, if I remember rightly. And there was one clip I saw of it. And it was basically he he had, it was very limited what he could do because of the target audience. Yeah. But from a age of us. I would say Tim Curry for me was was the scariest, most definitive one because he scared me as a child. That man put me off clowns mm. as a child. You know, if kids watch it now, they just go, huh, he's a bit of an idiot. If they watch the Tim Sarsgaard one now, they would shit their pants. Well, no, you're absolutely right because when I first watched the original one back in the 1990 when it came out, I remember because it used to, if I remember correctly, it was on TV on a Saturday night at 10 o'clock and then on the Sunday night at 10 o'clock playing part one and part two. Now, obviously on the Sunday night one, I had to be in bed because I had school the following morning but i used to i used to stay up and watch it anyway and it did it terrified me as a kid i was like shit that's a scary film but when i realized that it was tim curry who played that transvestite as well and then i realized he was the <laughs> butler in clue yeah, it made me yeah. it was one of the, tim curry was one of the first people who when i saw him in congo which i know is not a horror film but it's just a awesomely brilliantly bad and awesome film yeah. made me realize this man can if somebody said to him here is a turd. You are going to act as a turd. He would be the best turd there is to act. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Make yeah. it iconic. Tim, and that's Tim, the thing about Tim Curry. You make Tim any Curry. role iconic. And I Tim. think that's a bit of an issue with the 1991 and your whole comparison thing, Scott. I think you're right in what you say. In kind of, you know, technically, Garsgard is the only one to do it on film and he brings so much. That performance is amazing. But Tim Curry in the original really elevated himself above yeah. what a TV movie was and above the rest of that cast as well. Yeah, he's yeah. just so stand out 
in it that perhaps there is some argument for comparison and who's the best no. I don't know nostalgia wants right. me to say Tim Curry but Bill Skarsgård pulls it off in those films really does really well that's it you're absolutely right it is Tim Curry you know what I mean he is the ultimate one he makes it I mean without Tim Curry's performance in the original TV film would any of us have watched it well would there even be the sequel movies exactly yeah. would he, they have made, he the made that they rebooted it I doubt they would have no, I agree and then on the, obviously on the same subject as well, we've got it, chapter two. Now, honestly, the best part about this is the spider at the end. <laughs> what? I'm not a fan of chapter two. I'm sorry, no. I'm sorry, but the spider at the end. So I remember as a kid watching it, going, oh my God, this is so good. The Losers Club are going to kill him. And then they go in the cave and it's a fucking spider. And you're thinking, literally, I remember as a child going, have they run out of money or is this a joke? <laughs> and when it ended, I thought, my God, that sucked ball. That was yep. awful. It was, it it was awful. It. The remake <laughs> nailed it. They got yeah. the ending right there made good but that's what i meant chapter two for the 90s was absolute pants oh shite but they made sure this time that they did it right and it looked amazing i mean i've been trying to i'm trying to find a model of it to be fair because i love clowns and i'm terrified of spiders still today i used to come out to my house to get the spider out of the bathroom i think it would be perfect to have that model and i loved it yeah i'm pretty sure yeah. for the love of horror i remember rightly colin there were some people that had stores and one of them did have like a, a head of the modern it with his head stretched out and the deadlights in the middle and all the yeah. rows of teeth. It wouldn't that was, I'm pretty me. sure there was yeah. a vendor that had that for the love of horror. Could very well so I thought it was yeah. really cool. But I think it got sold pretty darn quick anyway. But there's nothing really much to talk about with it, chapter two, because I actually genuinely thought it was a shitty film. I wouldn't watch it again. I mean, I've got I've got it on 4K because I've got the other one on 4K, but it's still in a cellophane wrap. And I bought it because I was passing it was there, so I thought I'd I, liked, I liked the sequel. I went to see it in the cinema and I thought it was a solid sequel. I thought the adults couldn't have played the younger cell any better I think they got that they nailed that in all fairness the adults I think they really did nail it the fans did a good job picking and the director did a good job listening the ending gave closure but I think the initial fear and the love will always be on that initial one because that's mm-hmm. where everybody put their emotions their emotions went into that original TV movie and their original scares you're never going to really repeat it on a sequel unless it's something that's dark and different and speaking of a great sequel if you don't mind me just diverting this Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2 compared to Part 1 holy cow you know, where he's inside the guy and he grows out of his skin. Yeah. That, mm. holy shit. I mean, if you're a fan of the first one and then you watch this one, you go, has somebody changed the character if they rebooted the movie? This is totally, totally different. Yeah. And that kept that scares right up there. And you can see what somebody did with the Nightmare series. First one, introduction, dark, scary, psychological, blood, good effects. But the second one, growing inside somebody, slightly different context, and then how do you match that for the third one? You go fantasy, sci-fi influence, you know, with mm. powers and wizard boys. And that it, it, that's why the Nightmare on Elm Street, they kept leveling up. Yeah. Oh, well, apart till they got to the dream child and completely fucked that one. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was it. As they wrapped on number three, it was like, right, guys, it's all about cash grabbing now. Go and get the money. Spank. <laughs> yeah, spank. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, Robert. Yeah, it's on. a spank time. Yeah. It was, sadly. Yeah, I'm going to come out with one now. Uh, Joel Dante's 1990 staying with the Assault uh, like of the Year thing. Gremlins 2, the new batch. Oh, <laughs> brilliant. I love that. I love that. on TV all the time. I was a kid. I remember yeah. that. You can't uh, argue with a piece of casting when you get Christopher Lee in your movie. I mean, you're just the ones who'll win a before you even start. 
it's just amazing. Well, that was it. I mean, who was in that film? Obviously, you had Zach and you had, um, oh, what's she called now? Phoebe Cates. They get Dick Miller back. And I was surprised to see Dick Miller because I thought he was killed in the first one. And here he is in the. No, I think he was heavily injured. Yeah. 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 So, had to get Dick Miller back. He's a Joe Dante favourite. Christopher Lee's in there. But he's good. Yeah, I like that film. I I do. I do as well. It's one of those things, isn't it? The smash our past sort of thing. The female gremlin. Smash our past. Can I can I just chuck in a sequel that is massively underrated, unappreciated? And this is where Colin's going to hate me saying this. So everybody looks at the Jaws. I know it's not technically horror, but it scared the shit out of a lot of people. Jaws is deemed an all-time world-class classic. I actually prefer Jaws 2. It's a world-exclusive. Jaws 4, I loved it. It's my guilty pleasure as well. In fact, it's my guilty pleasure. Yeah, it's, we... There's something about it. You just sit there and you just go, this should be shit, but it just fucking works. It's I think it's the investment in the family that yeah, we had not... from part one and part two. There's Don't a great Michael Caine story around part four where he was sent mm. the uh, script and he literally turns the first page of the script and the first line is open. Beach in the Bahamas. And he closed it and he went, I'm done, I'm in. If it's a, it doesn't matter what the film's like, I get holiday in the Bahamas, so I'm in. And the has already read the script that first line, and he was in. It's true though, isn't it? Jaws it is. 2 and 4 it. was amazing. Jaws 2 was like the Goonies on water, yeah. and Jaws 4 was just that closure that you needed from the first two. Well, I've got a story about Jaws 4, and, I, and this is one of the reasons why I, I love it. I mean, for me, it goes Jaws 2, then the first one, then 4, and I don't even, I don't even rate the third one. My mum was getting married for maybe, maybe eighth time, I don't know. She wanted me to go to the wedding, and I was just like, no, you can fuck off because Jaws is on tonight, and I want to stay with my granddad and watch that. So we end up, I kicked off that hard that me and my granddad end up staying home watching Jaws. And I even remember saying to my mum, we'll get the next one, because... <laughs> <laughs> I think she got married like four times after that as well. But yeah, <laughs> I love Jaws 4. And it's a shame, actually. Another little girl who plays Mia, is it? Or Tia? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she unfortunately uh, later on that year got killed. Oh, um, really? Yeah, it was uh, apparently her dad was really jealous of her um, not being like a, a movie star. So he shot her in back at Ed while she was sleeping. It's really, really not it's horrible to. Yeah, it's really, really horrible when people go like that for jealousy. Another guilty pleasure. We've kind of touched up on this a little bit in the first podcast. Patrick Swayze's Ghost. That's a great film. Well, I cry every time I watch it. Not ashamed to say that as a modern man of the 90s. The thing is, it's a great <laughs> film. I don't know what you're... Colin cries at Extreme Makeover Home Edition, Colin, so don't bother. <laughs> don't bother lying. I join in those tears, by the way. <laughs> oh, no, sorry, Colin. That was supposed to be our little secret. Sorry, mate. Oh, I'm not even sure I've heard of this show. What is this? Now? I don't want to know. Don't talk to me. I don't want to know. I don't. I don't ask. I've got a question because I think I know they sit in sci-fi, but they do also sit in horror. Alien One or Alien Two? Because for me, my guilty pleasure is Alien Two. That's the definitive for me. Colin's going to have a whole, whole level of depth on this. Well, it was recently Aliens Day, wasn't it? Four yeah. twenty-six. If you're in yeah. the states, so somebody put on Twitter or whatever it was about the order of their films, yeah. and they went right through to Covenant. I really struggled because I, I, I almost wanted to put Alien, Aliens, and Alien Three on the same line because I have a lot of love for Aliens and. Alien 3. Uh, Alien 3 was a masterpiece. It was yeah, a dark masterpiece. Uh, so I really struggled. Beyond that, it was easy because Resurrection came next. Even though it is very good, it has to be it has to sit below them. Then Covenant, then Prometheus. But yeah, it's a difficult one. If I was a bit drunk and I wanted something good on a Saturday night, I'd go to Aliens, without a doubt. Mm. 
if you want a little bit of you know, brain food and want to make an effort and get the reward, then it's alien. So really difficult to judge that one. Definitely a mood dependent one, that one. Yeah. It's kind of in a similar way to Terminator or Judgment Day. Same, same sort of argument because one's more action based, although it has the sci-fi, whereas the other one's more horrific. And it depends more, the size more, of the kind of gap. Grabbing. Terminator it's, 1, Terminator 2, there's a huge gap because one was gritty, aurora, backstory, emotional investment in the characters. Terminator 2 was so polished and so action driven mm. and just big action pieces it you couldn't compare it to the first that's the trouble with the terminator movies i've got another one for you to compare and it should be an easy one because um they actually filmed it on a railway 28 days later or 28 weeks later 28 days days so i worked on the dlr and when they were filming that they built gun turrets on the platform because when they built them overnight the passengers were ringing up and saying there's machine gun turrets on the platforms and stuff and it was all for the movie effect of when they on a weekend possession were running down the tracks on the DLR because they were in that protected zone in Canary Wharf and I never ever looked forward to a movie sequel as much as I did 28 days later and they absolutely Robert Carlyle you think you can't go any wrong with Robert Carlyle drawing with bust actor they totally fucked that film up they made it too American yeah and, and was, that's yeah. what ruined it. It was like, yeah, yeah America, fuck yeah, we're going to come yeah. over here and yeah. make everyone safe, and then we're going to kill everyone. Dark yeah. zombie survivalist to yeehaw America, America, yeah. Bang on. Like, it was a bit too gung-ho, yeah. yeah. And that helicopter scene, fuck off when that would happen. I mean, as soon as a helicopter blade hit the first zombie, the helicopter would go fucking over there somewhere. <laughs> wouldn't work. Someone from Hollywood <laughs> went, stamped That's cool, but uh, no, yeah. not practical. Yeah, that'll look good. Yeah, but it won't actually. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter what we say goes. This is movies the worst sequels that we can think of now i'm going to start this one america wealth in paris <laughs> i don't know you'd say that one if you've not seen it don't <laughs> um, i'd heard of it i thought it was a joke is it actually a real movie actually, oh yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Film, yeah. it's been around a while yeah 1997 yeah. oh really yeah yeah 1997 it's got uh tom everett scott mm. in it and it's supposed to tie into the original as well. It kind of does, apparently, because the female protagonist in it is supposed to be David and Alex's daughter from the first film. No, because when they get... No, she comes home from the uh, hospital with David and then they instantly have a shower and fucking bone. But yeah, apparently she falls pregnant and the female protagonist in American Wealth in Paris is apparently their daughter. I didn't know that. It's not a bad film, it's... Just really, really, really shit. But if, if you can stomach, I think it's about 80 minutes long. If you can stomach it, then go for it. But CGI is worse, I guess. The Lost Boys sequels, The Tribe oh, and the other oh, one. Oh, the first. Um, yeah. And the only reason I did was for the Frog Brothers. And in all fairness, the best thing about any of the Lost Boys sequels is very sadly the deleted scenes with Corey Feldman. Yeah. Um, yeah. They did some great content with deleted scenes there where, you know, they turned vampire and they were looking out for each other and all of that never made it into the film and it just I hated watching them and then I watched it it seems went fine the fuck didn't you put that in yeah. you could have based the whole film around that story mm-hmm. I'd have watched that and that was a shame that was a real shame but well, yeah, yeah. Of sequels. yeah because I have not seen the third I've seen the first one I've seen the second one I only watched the second one because someone told me that Tom Savini's in it that's the reason why I watched the second one. He's in it for like five seconds when the guy takes his head off because he's, he's a vampire. <laughs> I was like, all oh, right, yeah. Also, apparently as well, according to Dave and Marcus, that head is in Tom Savini's, one of his rooms in his house. It's oh, just yeah. kind of thrown on the side. It's just like, <laughs> Tom, if you ever watch this, I'll quite happily take that off your hands. Just so. <laughs> but <laughs> I've not seen the third one because the, the second one was really bad. I might watch it later, to be fair. Yeah. But I believe Alan Frog. No, Corey Feldman's brother in the in the film isn't he Jason supposed to? Yeah, yeah, isn't he supposed to be like some vampire emperor or something? 
Uh, yeah, yeah if I remember rightly, yeah. But they aren't they? Haven't they rebooted it again? Haven't they done a Lost Boys TV show now? Oh God, I don't know. I heard, I heard there's been doing something about. Yeah, I heard there was doing something. There was supposed to be an old girl cast. Yeah, because that that bloke at Comic Con who sang the theme tune, he in amongst him killing us for an hour with his sets, <laughs> decided to when people were losing track, mention Lost Boys. Everyone parked up. Oh, I'm working on the new stuff for the new. Oh, okay, right. And then he started singing another song that nobody wanted to hear, and everyone was like, anyway, yeah. So how are you then? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not really interested mate just play the fucking song play song yeah I mean that's it as well I mean is there any films out there that have a great first film a great second film and then a shit reboot Ghostbusters what I'll sign up for that yeah. I'm yeah. sorry not, I'm, I'm not just Still a diverse and inclusive Londoner here but I actually <laughs> really really enjoyed what it was in face value I didn't care that it was women in the reboot I just thought it was a good old fashioned romp but I am so so pleased that they are finishing off that trilogy do you know what I would happily see a trilogy of the ladies as well they did a far more you know at the end with that end credit scene where they're listening and they go what's a goza so you know they they were doing a far people hated it but they were doing almost like a prequel reboot before they got into the context where they got the fire station and it was different it was a complete reimagination and i really enjoyed it maybe it was a little bit of overacting and a bit too much comedy but just taking it as switch off for two hours i thought it was a cracking film yeah i've never seen it i've never seen it don't want to see it yeah. you've not even seen it no nope, i, don't I want highly it. recommend you watch it and no. just switch off your prejudices <laughs> it's not about <laughs> two hours it's not the fact that it's female. I'm all for a female cast. Have you ever seen Eddie Murphy's film, A Haunted Mansion? That kiddies oh, film. Yeah, that was. The yeah, ghost, yeah. That's what put me off it. It's not the film. It's not who's in it or who's not in it. It's just the fact that the ghost in it looked like from, from a kid's film. And I was just like, <laughs> no, we need the, the library ghost. We need Slimer. We need fucking Vigo. You know, we need this shit. We don't need something from Casper. What puts me off is, let's make them all girls. That's fine. And if that works artistically or because all the girls are talented or because they all have a click, then fine. Great. I'll happily sit in the cinema. I'll put over, I'm a 15 quid. I'll go and see it. But when they then cast Chris Hemsworth as the receptionist type admin person, I just thought, now they are just trying to make some statements and I'm just not having that. I'm not going to the cinema to have a look at that. You know what? I'm he was done. quite good. Not he played an idiot. Well, he, he was good. An idiot. That makes it even worse. It was was good honest to god i don't put the new ghostbusters movie in line with uh, on a par with the others but as a standalone romp and a reimagination it's definitely worth it and i'm genuinely gutted it got slaughtered however i'm glad it got slaughtered because somebody saw sense to say listen to the fans finish the damn story and now we've got that awesome trailer for that third one which yeah. is uh, probably going to be delayed until later in the year but it just looks so good yeah, it does does look good i mean i must admit i've got a little bit of blood so i circulating downstairs when i saw it i was like yes when i in all fairness <laughs> when i saw that trailer i remember the first like they did a 30 second trailer when i saw that bit and i just heard the proton pack yeah. switching on i teared up yeah i got so transported back to my childhood i teared up and i was going oh my god and i watched it so many times when i saw the full trailer i thought this is paying homage to the originals yeah. it's canon it's storyline it's up to date yeah. this is going to be awesome so i'm re- i've got high hopes for the new ghostbusters yeah. i think in that trap i think that's got slimer in it because mm, yeah i think so as well yeah. Yeah, because because at the beginning of the trailer you just see it and it's kind of moving, but then at the end of the trailer you see it's got a green slime on the side of it. I'm yeah, thinking, that's I think got I to have Egon slime. In it. Probably took him yeah. to experiment, and and that way they've got that they can develop the Slimer character into the one that was always the friends yeah. with mm. the Ghostbusters. Because yeah. I can see that everybody loves Slimer. He, he he's yeah. the only ghost that everybody really truly loves, even though he was a ghost. But yeah, and a prick as well. The first one <laughs> and a prick <laughs> and a total prick. Yeah, and that was he was. I tell you what, the Slimer reimagined in the 
new movie where he had a Mrs. Slimer and he drove a car was just really stupid and dumb. Oh. Yeah, Slimer's in the new one, but he drives a car and has a wife and, and he's act all funny. The one with all, all the ladies. The yeah, Slimer is that, in it? that film. So you give me another reason not to want to watch me it. Too. Yeah, now that's a Me Too campaign I can get behind. You see, for me, that one just didn't look funny. The trailer for me was the thing that put me off more than anything else. I thought, you're just trying to be funny and it's just not funny. The, the jokes were just falling so flat. I thought, you know what? T- taking everything aside, just that trailer alone, I don't want to watch it. It's just going to be boring. There it's is like, actually um, an extended version of it, which is about 20 odd minutes long. And some of it is dumb. There's like dance sequences in and all sorts. And you're thinking, I know the villain makes forces them to do it, but you just think, I'm glad parts were edited out. But some parts are such a homage to the original, you know, where the all original cast are in it who could be in it, but they play different actors. Although Dan Aykroyd must have had a bad day and just literally says, I ain't afraid no ghost in it when he's a cab driver. He goes, Oh, there's a, a class three evaporation. No, that's a class five free flowing repeater. I ain't afraid no ghost. <laughs> what? It's a cab driver. And you're like, Where did that come from? He must have just said, Sod you. I'm going to say the lines I want to say. I might have um, looked that up on YouTube. That sounds actually like it's probably it's, worth a little watch. No, there is some great cameo stuff, some great tribute. The, the Stay Puff Man, the tribute to him. There's some really cool moments in it. And there's some real nice kickbacks to the original score and the original theme. But you've got to really listen out for it. I just thought it was a nice, it was a two hour romp. I enjoyed it. I'm so pleased the new one's coming. Go on track a little bit. Does anyone actually play the game? Yes, yeah. on oh, the Xbox. Yes. I've got the awesome. remastered version as well. I it's it's the only game on Xbox that I've managed to clock, and I've just clocked the uh, remastered version as well. And it's like playing the third movie. Yeah. And and this is why I'd recommend to anyone on YouTube, you can actually Google Ghostbusters the game, the video, and it's about an hour and forty minutes of animated footage, which is basically and it was, and, and Dan Aykroyd admitted that the script for the game was the original third and final movie script that they eventually for enough money to get everyone back in and do and do you know what it is an amazing amazing romp it just works and if that would have been the original third I'd been very happy but it just shows you how much passion that we have for it I'm not a massive gamer anymore as I've got older but that one I was determined to spend like 80 hours playing it until I damn well clocked it just to see all the video and the ending and where the characters went and it was brilliant really good so Colin if you've got a computer definitely Ghostbusters game is awesome I have to try to rescue my Xbox from the attic and then uh, find some time <laughs> me and Steve play the Ghostbusters game not regularly but we do play quite often it's like uh, going back to some of the side of the bits in Ghostbusters for instance like the scariest parts in Ghostbusters and it's not scary at all but not by any shout but I remember going watching the second one at the cinema when it was released because my mum took me the bit where Yarno she's kind of floating over to them over the yes. um, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's that music that sound when his hand goes and grabs Oscar yeah, and pulls him to it yeah and then the look on his eyes it's like oh shit I, I think, think a lot of people didn't like it because Vigo was too scary too intimidating really yeah I, I, a lot of people I knew when I used to say to them oh, I loved it I loved it they go no a headless killer of a massacre from like a macabre time and it was too dark and a river of slime and I was like it was, it was awesome yeah, I really enjoyed awesome. it it's good yeah yeah, I enjoyed I it. Who didn't enjoy it and why? I thought the Vigo character was a really, really uh, cool. I love the fact that Max von Sydow was his voice. Yeah, he really. I didn't, oh. didn't realise that I until I was much that. older. That Max von Sydow, who cannot do any wrong, rest his soul, oh. he was the voice of Vigo. So they just used an actor to do yeah. the visual, to do the face and the body. But it was Max von Sydow's voice wow. as Vigo. I think I knew that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's, um, he's he's credited as the voice of him. So I actually yeah. think 
think the opening of the first film is pretty scary because it's in a public place. It's during the day and they mess with that librarian's head massively. You know, she really, I think she needs like a lot of psychotherapy after that. So although they're not generally scary, I think that the very first opening scene of the first one is pretty scary. But put that into context, guys. Look at the year that that was made in and look at the quality of the effects. Mm, yeah. yeah. On, and it's that still, stands up now. Still, the Proton Pack, everything that they did visually still nearly 30 odd years later still works still stands the test of time that was groundbreaking in so many ways I'm so pleased they're making a new one yeah me too I'm, I'm looking forward to that really I'm looking forward to it so when I, even when I saw the trailer for the first time I remember I was at work I was sat in my, in my office and I was like looking at it and I just up and went yes and I phoned Steve straight away when Steve fucking knew Ghostbusters trailer and obviously Steve's quite cynical and he went I'll believe when I see it <laughs> <laughs> so many false dawns though since the second one just on sequels because the if, if we don't mind just moving across because I've got I've got something I need to vent about Friday the 13th because Friday the 13th the original one from 1980 was it sucked balls it, I hated it <laughs> Friday the 13th part 2 3 4 and 5 were awesome I thought they were really good because they were pretty much continuous I think Corey Feldman was in like 2 or 3 of them there was a storyline arc which I'd never seen properly in a horror series of that and then they got to 6 and 7 Jason Lives in the New Blood and I just thought this is being spanked but the one that loads of people hated on and I loved was Jason Takes Manhattan Brilliant. that was an immediate classic where, yeah. where he literally goes to Manhattan and he walks the streets of Manhattan I thought that was a world class classic by the time they got to Jason 10 because part 9 was the final Friday Jason 10 was him in space wearing like some weird silver mask <laughs> and then they redeemed themselves by doing Freddy versus Jason 2003 with that I loved if I could ask you guys a question what was your favourite Friday the 13th ignore the reboot in 2009 we won't remember that exists what was your personal favourite if you could think back to all of them Jason takes Manhattan just personally because that fist fight he has with that guy on the fucking roof yeah. <laughs> Colin what, what, what would you say was the best one Freddy versus Jason for me I think I'm, I'm not massive Friday the 13th I've probably seen sporadic sequels but I just knew just start at number two ignore the first but when Freddy versus Jason came out I mean I, I think I was I can't exactly remember the year it came out but I think I was of the perfect age where it was like this is your movie these are your two iconic horror characters and they're going to be pitched together so I just remember that and then I just remember a couple of lunatic kills like there's a scene I think in a cornfield where I think a guy thinks Jason is in like fancy dress and just starts laughing at him and taking the piss out of him and without a single word and in one foul swoop Jason just tears off his head or at least breaks his neck so it was brilliant and then there's a scene where a man is like sat on a porch like swinging kind of chair and we I think from seeing the film up to then know that Jason has been and basically killed him but somebody wanders up to him and they still think he's alive because he's just like sat there but sat still and I think they go to like nudge his arm and his head just rolls off his shoulders I thought how could Jason do such a clean kill that's never going to happen but it's still brilliant I love it it'll work and then that for me is probably my my outstanding one probably echo that to be fair again it's the showdown of two iconic horror characters thrown into mm. one film I think just the spectacle of that you had obviously Alien versus Predator on a similar sort of time having those two franchises essentially kind of splurged together into one film great absolutely fantastic yeah the Versus series is I think they ended them too early because I don't think many people I mean people debated the outcome with Jason winning and Freddy winking but Alien versus Predator could do no wrong and then some idiot decided to go do this Requiem version and ruin it I think what happened with Alien versus Requiem they said you're not getting a budget this time make us loads of money and they ended yeah. up doing this stupid back village rubbish which became Requiem and ruined it I think I might know somebody who had a part in 
ruining it because I remember, as I'm sure we all did, I spent a lot of time in the comic shops growing up and I just remember going to the new releases and seeing Robocop versus Terminator versus Alien. And I thought, this is getting too much now. Jesus, someone's, I remember seeing them comics, yeah. Get, someone's trying to get too much now. But thinking back, man, that could have been a film. Robocop versus Terminator versus Alien. That would have been something. Robocop would have lost. I used to run, literally up, up until the beginning of last year, I used to run uh, a comic book shop. Uh, I've got about 40,000 comics upstairs and I've got all them comics. I know what you're talking about and I started to read them all the aliens versus fucking Predator and all that kind of stuff and it was great and the Robocop versus Terminator versus fucking bullshit over there <laughs> I've read them all and all the what ifs and shit and they're all crap <laughs> you can't do fuck all with them oh. they're only good in comics in fact actually I've got a replica of Action Comics number one it's the first replica the one that's just, it's worth about two grand the comic because it's, uh, it's the first official replica from 1980 but anyway going back to the Friday the 13th Thing, just real quick I wanted to tell you sort of like a, a bit of a story that we got from Tom Savini because obviously we know he did all the special effects for like, the first one apparently Tassos Ravakis got offered the Jason role in the second film or the third oh. one I can't remember Tom Savini turned around to him and said don't do it because it doesn't make any sense why Jason would be a character from the second film onwards uh oh <laughs> so yeah so Tom was just like don't do it because it doesn't make no sense anymore <laughs> yeah there won't be any life on that franchise ten yeah. films later Tasso's yeah. fucking Arr! Tasso's like Tom you <laughs> 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 were saying me what oh, was that about Jason again yeah yeah bastard I bet he brings it up you know sometimes not like uh, not having a few beers or whatever though to be fair to Tom I think it was the perfect you know, decade. Any other decade, it could have fallen flat on its face. I think it was the perfect decade, the right time, and it just was able to roll on and on and on. You know, 80s and slasher, it just, it just works. Yeah, it was the decade of sequels. If you don't mind me saying, just as a quick note, perfect horror, fantasy, sequel, original, etc. Evil Dead's first mm. one, dark, scary. Third one, everyone thought spanking, I thought masterpiece. I love it. TV it, show, rebooted. It's got legs on it, but I genuinely thought the third one, just brilliant just te- bruce campbell his range of acting in their movies to make such darkness such true darkness funny is exactly what a lot of horror because i've said to you guys before when i go and watch a horror film and there's a scary moment what do i do i laugh and that's exactly <laughs> what bruce yeah, yeah, campbell yeah. does he laughs in the yeah. face of an economicon and any other horror dark scary life-ending <laughs> moment he'll just laugh in it and make a joke yeah well <laughs> Cutting his own hand off. Yeah, oh, basically, uh, I said it. <laughs> the, th- the thing is, though, if Bruce Campbell was a, a relatively good actor, those films would be shit. It's, <laughs> it's because he's it's because he's so fucking shit. It's why those films are great. <laughs> I thought it was very good in Spider-Man trilogy. Do you want to shoot it? <laughs> yeah. His cameos made yeah. the films. His little one-liners. But yeah, I remember I met Bruce Campbell at Waterstones in Manchester a few years you back then. It was fucking shit. I wanted to, but I thought I'm going to get my ass kicked by his chin, but... <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, he's a straight up guy to fact I've got his book somewhere it's signed it's yeah it's pretty I might actually put that on uh, one of our little things as a giveaway eventually he's funny he's a good lad he was, he's tall he's weird and he just thinks a lot of himself <laughs> but he's Bruce Campbell I met him at a book signing in Forbidden Planet and I think he was just doing Bruce Campbell the character because it's just what everybody wanted you know so I thought because he goes he asked my name what's your name oh, oh it's Colin 1L you asshole okay Ooh, <laughs> the book. well the sad film isn't it like my name is Bruce where it's yeah. Bruce Campbell playing Bruce Campbell yeah. <laughs> where he doesn't realise that he thinks that all the shit's going around is a film it's yeah, just yeah. like are yeah. you really that dumb there's no cameras <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but Bruce Campbell awesome. legend making uh, president 
Make yeah. him president. Campbell <laughs> 2020. 2020. I'm going to quickly go through one more that I... It's a guilty pleasure of mine, to be fair, and that's Pet Cemetery 2, 1992. Has anyone seen Pet Cemetery 2? Ed, Eddie, Eddie Furlong's in it. It's not a bad film. It's Instead of a cat, it's a dog. <laughs> <laughs> it's all crazy shit. The special effects is really, really bad. It's, it's a good film. It's not a bad one. I mean, is it worth watching? Definitely. Is it worth going out, searching for it and buying it? Absolutely not. If you can stream it, go for it don't advocate piracy or anything but I'm just saying stream it if you can it's not worth buying <laughs> <laughs> anyway, on that note we'll end this uh, one tonight thanks for listening please like share subscribe Outlaws of Horror out <laughs>